Hello, everyone, and welcome to Artifacts. I'm your host, Marissa Dickens. And today's guest is an avid bike rider, an environmental lover. You said you got your major in environmental science. And last but not least, a musician, Gavin Chisholm. Yay. Thanks for coming on the podcast for me. Thanks for talking to me. Okay, so we're going to start from the beginning, beginning. What was the first instrument you learned how to play? Piano. Really? Um, when my sister and I were young, my mom was like, you, you, have to, you have to learn to play a musical instrument. Yeah, she was very adamant about us taking musical instrument lessons, learning to play. Uh, so she made me take piano because she figured piano would be a good starting point to learn because... It's kind of a good launching pad to learning the, you know, the musical staff and learning how to read music. So she, yeah, she, she made us take lessons. We took lessons from this lady who, this older lady who lived down the street for about three years. I think I started in third grade and took piano lessons with her for a while. We had recitals at, uh, at the city park at Wildwood. That's really cute. That's cool. It's like, and that's kind of you. So you had to perform in front of people then at those recitals. Yeah, I, it was. There was a decent amount of people. It was like a. It was in the manor house. So Wildwood. A little history lesson for those who don't are familiar with Toledo. Wildwood was the property of the Stranahan family, and the manor house was their mansion that they lived in. So uh, we would have the, and then eventually it just became like a public uh, place so uh, this lady would rent out the ballroom piano room or whatever and have the recitals in there so that's where I first uh, that's where I first performed in front of people playing piano I would play the one that I always remember playing was in the hall of the mountain king which is the sonic the hedgehog theme song from the old (laughs) sonic cartoons I love that how do you remember how you felt performing that as a young kid i thought it was sick because it was sonic the hedgehog and i was a huge sonic the hedgehog fan so when she pulled this out when she was like teaching it to me and she pulled it out and she was like we're gonna play in the hall of the mountain king and i was like all right whatever because <laughs> there's this old lady telling me to play this song on piano so i was like here we go again <laughs> and uh I started playing it or she started playing it because I couldn't play it very well. And I was like, what the hell? This is the Sonic the Hedgehog theme from the cartoon. <laughs> so I was immediately enthralled with it and I learned to play it. Uh, probably can't play it anymore, but uh, that was definitely uh, my favorite song that I learned to play on piano. Now, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, fifth grade. My, my sister bought... So she was the first one to bail on piano lessons. She bought. <laughs> you kept going. <laughs> Neither of us wanted to take piano lessons. We Sonic kept you in though. Sonic kept you in. <laughs> it kept me going, yeah. But neither of us wanted to take piano lessons. So eventually Audrey, who is much more uh, financially strategic than me, uh, she saved up all her money and bought a half-size Squire Stratocaster and it <laughs> sat in the corner of her room and I was like mom I want to play a different uh, I want to stop piano lessons she was like you're not going to stop learning music but you can learn a different instrument so she was like you can learn guitar because Audrey has a guitar 
So I was like, okay, we'll do that. And I didn't want to. My mom made me. She made me take guitar lessons from this guy who uh, he worked at. I don't know if he worked there or if he was, he like rented out the the little studio space to give um, guitar lessons, but it was at Durdell's Music in Toledo, Ohio. I don't think they're around anymore. I think they actually closed this year because of COVID, which sucks because I took lessons there for like nine years. Wow. They're awesome family, this older couple, Fred and Alice. Yeah, so I took lessons there for a long time. Um, John Danielak. Yeah, he taught me just like chords and basic songs. Um, I think the first song I learned was Day Trip by the Beatles. Yeah, that's where that started. I didn't want to take lessons at first, but my mom made me. Did, did your mom play an instrument or your dad? Or they were, mom, were they involved in the arts at all? Yeah, they're both very creative people. They were both uh, photographers when they were younger. They both went to art school. That's how they met, actually. My mom went to art school in Detroit for photography. My dad went to art school in Rochester, New York for photography and then they both moved to Chicago and they met there working for the same guy. Yeah, so they're both very creative artistic individuals. So I grew up listening to tons of good music. So I think they instilled a certain taste in me when I was young. What Um, kind of stuff would you listen to when you were younger? uh, Lots of Steely Dan, lots of Led Zeppelin, Van Morrison. Nora Jones, the Beatles, but that Beatles is just like a standard. I feel like if you grew up with, if your parents had level heads, you grew up listening to the Beatles. I was born Duran Duran eighties. That's in Fleetwood Mac. That was my, when I was growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of Prince. Grew up listening to lots of good music, I, in my opinion, but maybe that's just because I grew up listening to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So throughout grade school, you were taking lessons. Did you, create any of your own music or were you just learning how to play songs during that time? Not in grade school. In grade school, I just uh, took lessons because I didn't want to do it. I wasn't like into it. I just went to the lessons. I never practiced outside of the lessons. I would show up and he'd be like, did you practice what we talked about? And I'd be like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I learned songs to perform. Like I, Buddy and I played at the talent show two years but yeah, it would never went outside of just learning the songs that he uh, wrote out for me. And what changed then? What was that shift of, I kind of like this or? Well, honestly, it was like, I really don't know. I think it came in high school. I just uh, got in. I re- honestly, I don't really know where the change came when I finally decided I liked playing or like I decided, I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where I finally just started to like playing playing for myself instead of just uh, playing to learn these songs. I think it probably came when I reached a certain comfortability with it. Like once you get to a certain point where you're not stumbling through playing and it's sort of like an ease, yeah, like a comfortability with it. Once I could just pick it up and play and I could start connecting what I heard in my head to my hands, I think that's probably where the fun started because then you can make your own music Instead of just, yeah, like reading off of a tablature sheet and playing chords and notes. That was probably where the change came. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't Sometimes there's like, no like definite moment. Yeah, I don't think there's a lightning bolt from the sky. But yeah, I did get a, I did get like a looping pedal one year for Christmas. My parents got me a looping pedal. So like you plug 
plug your guitar into it and then your amp comes out the other end and you can play something and click it and it'll loop back what you played and then you can like noodle around over top of it and that definitely because I stopped taking lessons when I went to high school um, or no maybe sophomore year I stopped taking lessons that's kind of when I plateaued in terms of learning because after then I was kind of just like picking songs up by ear but then once I got the looper pedal I think I picked back up with learning because I kind of found like scales and um, what notes sounded good over what chords and kind of how to improvise. Interestingly, you're in high school then, you kind of stopped taking lessons. When did, because I have to talk about this, Blue Walls, when did that happen? Hmm. Was it, it was in high school. Yeah, that happened at the very end. I had a friend who I skateboarded with and he was a drummer. We started hanging out and like totally off. It was never like, hey, you play drums, I play guitar, let's get together and play. It was like, I went over to his house one time and he had a drum kit and his brother had a guitar, some, something like that. And we just started goofing around and playing like easy, like you could just turn up the distortion on the guitar and it sounded okay for just like one guitar and one drum, like a drummer. So we would play like Green Day or like the White Stripes songs. There wasn't a whole bunch of dimension to it. It was just like, and like, <laughs> like two different noisy sounds coming together. So then we started like playing together and we would make up little songs. Again, nothing complex because it was just a guitar and drums. So it would be in the style of like White Stripes or Green Day and stuff like that. So just like power chords and pentatonic scales so we yeah we would play together and do covers for the most part or make up little songs we called ourselves Yahtzee Box because before we started practicing with the drum kit he would just get these drum sticks and tap on a Yahtzee box <laughs> so that's what we called our little duo and we played at the Battle of the Bands at my high school and then these two other kids in this other band we started we talked after the like at the end of the night we were like hey we should all play together because uh you guys only have two of them and we don't like our band members so they were like they wanted to leave their band members and we didn't have a good another guitar and a bassist so it was like that's like the magic formula for a rock band it's like two guitars a drum and a bass yeah we started hanging out and playing songs i don't know there was like a just a certain chemistry that we were able to play together pretty easily and make songs. We all kind of thought the same way musically. So we just wrote kind of like pop rock songs. So what was your role then in the band? You were guitar? Guitar and vocals. It was like uh, Ian and I, Ian was the other guitarist. We would, we would switch on and off for like whoever wrote the song would sing it and play rhythm and then whoever other guy on guitar would play like the guitar solo or whatever like the melody and so you all wrote <clears throat> different songs then it was mostly just Ian and I who wrote the songs like we would write the the words and the chords and then everyone we would come together and then everyone would put their own piece in so I mean in a way, in a way it was like everyone wrote the songs mm -hmm. because yeah we all wrote different parts because we didn't play the other instruments so it was cool because it was like a, it, it was a, everyone's input so talk about, just like give me a process of like one of your songs and what would go down. So like, what's one of your favorite on the, yeah. from you guys? 
favorite song still is Lonely Night. And that was the first one we wrote. It was like this dumb little pop rock song <laughs> about like a hookup. And um, <laughs> Ian wrote it. Ian wrote the chords and Ian wrote the chords, except for this one chord. He wrote, he had like, the song is just a one four, basically the whole song. So it's E and A, which is like a pretty typical back and forth rock uh, progression. But the the first version of it was like this, I, I forget what it was, but the, instead of the A, it was like this weird chord. It was like this easy change that he made because Ian never, I don't think he ever had any formal like training. So he he was just kind of finding his way through it. So he, the second chord that he played was like this weird chord. And I was like, why don't you move that chord up to this chord? So it sounds better. <laughs> and uh, so we did. So we moved it up there and then we had the chords and he had like one line of lyrics written. So he and I wrote together to finish up the rest of the words. And uh, then we just played it, uh, all four of us together and Carson played the bass and Eric played the drums. And um, yeah, it was a pretty collaborative process, but mm -hmm. it started out usually with Ian and I uh, putting something together with chords and words. Talk about then writing lyrics specifically, if you are Ian or writing lyrics, how do you go about that? Okay, so as I've gotten older, as I've gotten older as a 23 year old, <laughs> uh, thinking about all the songs I wrote in high school, it's like, I think I was reaching a lot because a lot of the things I talked about in the, like a lot of the things I wrote about in the lyrics, like had not lived through. Like I had never lived through a one night stand. I was 17. It was like, <laughs> it's like, so I, I think um, for the most part, it was like trying to write words that rhymed. It was like trying to, Ian or, and I would like write something and it would have like this theme to it and it would rhyme. So we'd follow the theme and we'd follow the rhyming scheme and we'd just write until we had like a pop song. And now looking back on it, as I've like, now knowing what some of those experiences are like, I'm like, that was so corny. Like I didn't, <laughs> I had no clue what I was talking about. I was just like writing songs to make them rhyme. But I mean, I don't know, you do what you do. And uh, they were catchy and I think they were fun to play. And for the most part, that's what we were after. We were just trying to write songs that were fun to play because that's what we were doing. That was what like most of, cause we didn't have a lot of, time and money to record with like anytime we went to the studio to record like half of it was like the money that we saved from shows half of it was like our parents being like sure go have fun <laughs> and it was uh it was like insincere just because we were young and we were just having a good time like writing songs that were fun to play um, mm -hmm. because that's what we did we just played the songs at like shows or at parties and basements and stuff like that um talk about then yeah but, talk about performing i mean it it was, it's still like, still is like some of the best moments of my life were like playing, uh, playing shows just because it's like this crazy feeling. It's like a weird uh, connection that you like immediately did. Like as soon as you start playing, you have this connection with everyone in the, in the at attendance because you're playing for them. You're playing to them. Like you're looking out at them. You're like interacting so it's like this crazy, fun, exciting, electric feeling. And uh, I feel like, especially in a music setting, the audience gives you energy and you give back that energy. Totally, because you yeah. are playing music and you can see the audience on like, I was okay yeah. with like a dance performance or everyone's in, in like a formal dance performance. Everyone's dark and you can't really see anybody. It's almost yeah. like we're performing for them. But I feel like in a music setting, 
you have that really good balance. I'll cheer you on. You can see faces. You can call people out in the crowd. Like, hey. Live shows in music are like majority dependent on the audience, like entirely. The band, the band is gonna, they're gonna rehearse and they're gonna perform the songs the same way they did the night before at the other venue. But if the, if the audience at this venue is more into it and having a better time, it's gonna be a better show because the band's gonna pick up that energy and put more into what they're playing. If you go to a live show and you're in the audience, like the energy at that show is more dependent on you than it is on the band. The band is just, they're, they're on, they're on autopilot for a lot of it. Like they're playing the chords, they're singing the words and they're like, whatever, dancing and moving on stage. But they did that the night before. Like it's gonna, it's more dependent on who's there and what their energy is Mm -hmm. because it's like a cyclical thing. The band feeds off the crowd. It was so much fun. I wish I could do it one more time. It was so much fun. Reunion. (laughs) Yeah, I would, I would totally, I would do it if, uh, the, the, I mean, the reason we don't play anymore is because Carson, he went to grad school. He moved to California. So it's like, you just can't do it anymore. And we were like, we're not about to find a replacement bassist. I think what you guys had was just from hearing it from the music, it was a cool collaborative process. You guys were all chill and willing to be open and learn. And you were just kind of messing around. I think sometimes the best things is when artists experiment and then just something happens magically. Magic happens, totally. I guess. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Do you, this is Drake Bell. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Drake <laughs> Bell, uh, it's just like, I don't know, man, Drake Bell. He's a, uh, I've heard, I've heard that he moved to like Mexico or South America or something. And like only performs in Spanish now. Oh, like only, only like markets and advertises and performs in Spanish now or something like that. Okay. It's like huge popular down south or something like that maybe that's totally wrong but someone told me that um i think it was carson actually the the bass player told me that a couple days ago but yeah anyway he was he was on tour playing drake bell songs and uh he came through toledo and we i don't know being the pop rock band we were we were like all right let's put blue walls on it uh because we we were we made pretty good friends with kind of like the production company in Toledo that uh, puts together all put together. I don't think they're in operation anymore, but they put together all the shows that happened in Toledo at these various bars, like Ottawa Tavern, Frankie's Frankie's closed rest in peace to Frankie's. That was the institution of Toledo that like Nirvana mm-hmm. played there. Um, was, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, wow. Bummer that Frankie's closed, but uh, yeah, Frankie's not Ottawa Tavern for the most part. And then they opened up this like, small like um like hall it was like a it was like a music hall kind of place it was like this big warehouse sort of deal um with a bar and a big stage it was like the tallest stage we'd ever played on so we were excited we were opening for drake bell we were like wow (laughs) but um it was it was it was totally fun to play on that stage it was loud and it was tall and there was a decent amount of people there but it was yeah it was weird playing with drake bell he's like a like a I don't know maybe it's just because he's a celebrity but he was kind of like uh off-putting in the sense that like he didn't he was just like cutting his time short with everyone because he was just like I just want to get back to my bus and get out of here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I understand I get it it's Toledo uh it's like on Burn Road or something <laughs> yeah that's kind of that is off-putting like kind of short 
not warm, not you know, short. He's a short guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm sure he's a nice guy. He's, I mean, he was just a, he was just being a, he's, I'm sure he's just being short with people because he was tired. He was tired mm-hmm. of dealing with this guy. I still love that Drake and Josh theme song. It's pretty good. He played it. <laughs> Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably one of the most popular, I guess. So besides Drake, though, other... You did a um, River Scene Indie Music Festival? Oh, in Bay City. Yeah. We played... Uh, it was like... Uh, I think it was like a multi-day thing. And it was like a multi-day, multi-location thing. I think it was just like a town fest thing as opposed to like uh, buy your tickets and get into this festival grounds. Because we just played at this restaurant. It was like a... It was like a weird setting... It was like a, it looks like a cocktail dinner place because they had these small, like upright tables and people were eating like apps and drinking cocktails and stuff. Fancy and we step were playing up for like, Blue Walls. <laughs> it was weird though, because we were like on the ground up against the wall of this place, like with our amplifiers two feet from these people's tables, like blasting this music. So it was like fun and they were super nice people at this restaurant. And they like gave us drinks and everything. It was just a weird setting because we were like eye to eye with these people eating dinner, just like yelling in their ear, playing guitar. But that was fun. That was a fun drive up to Michigan. I think that was the furthest north into Michigan we had played a show. What else have you played? Yeah. Uh, we played a couple places in Ohio, played a place in Indiana, played... Uh, in Michigan, played a couple of shows in Detroit. We played, our last show was at Max Bar in Lansing. Uh, that was for a fundraiser for like, a, it was during mental health awareness month or week, I think it was week. But uh, this group, Music for Minds, put this on and they had us and this band, Brother Son, who's a Detroit band that we're great friends with. I think they have split up as well, just because they're doing different things now. But I mean, I still talk with everyone in the band. They're like just awesome guys and they're just good people. Still hang out with two of them every once in a while. But we played there. That was super fun. The Michigan, the crowds in Michigan were always better than the Toledo crowds. I'm just going to say it. The Toledo crowds oh, were... Oh, that hurts. No. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you were into it when you were there. But like most of the, most of the Toledo people that came were just like cell phoning videos and so they were, I don't know, they were never into it. They were never moving. But the kids up in Lansing and Detroit were like always into it. Like they were jumping around and pushing people and like crowd feeding, surfing. feeding us drinks from the crowd. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Yeah, that was, that was the last one. We covered Blondie. That was cool. Which Blondie um, song? Heart of Glass. It was fun. Ian never learned all the words to any of the songs we played. So when we covered Heart of Glass, he was supposed to cover, he was supposed to sing the uh, choruses or like, I think they're the choruses, like the choruses or the refrains, whichever one is more apt of a name. But he he like just put his phone down on the stage and was like reading off the office phone while he was singing it. So when you weren't in Blue Walls, what else were you doing? with music for yourself uh not a whole lot honestly after after uh we quit playing together I didn't play as much as I would have liked to it was uh 
Uh, I don't know. I think I just kind of ran out of inspiration for a little bit or got too busy with other things. I think I got really tired of playing the same way. Like, I think you play with a group or you play in a certain style for a long time. You start to develop, like, too too reliable of, like, muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So you go back to, like, just these boxes, like these finger boxes that you just play out of and that got like just exhausting and frustrating because it was like I would find myself playing like the same stuff without really like thinking about it I wasn't really like consciously coming up with new music I was just playing the same stuff that my fingers were comfortable with and that was frustrating mm -hmm. so I put it down for a little while and just did other things yeah sometimes but, uh, even now I'm like in this dance rut where like if you improv and do whatever, it's like I go back to the same movements, like the same three movements or, you know, it's like, how can you find something new mm -hmm. within that yeah. art form, I guess, which is really hard, especially yeah. during COVID. But so I started taking, I started taking uh, some jazz courses with this guy at Loyola to try and like expand my musical vocabulary, try and mm -hmm. learn some new chords, and new scales. And that, it like worked like a double-edged sword because it was like I learned these new chords and scales but also at the same time developed like these new habits of like returning to these same sounds so after a while of doing that I put it down again because I was like frustrated that I kept just I would learn new things and I would come back to those things and just keep falling into these patterns mm -hmm. um so for a while, I just, just stopped playing guitar. After school, I found myself with a lot more time to just get back into playing and give myself the, the room and space creatively to just try new things. From going from like a stage, performing with a band, to then sometimes you perform at coffee shops. Like I know you were at Archie's by yourself. How does that, how is that yeah. different? You know, how does that feel? I had like super bad stage fright playing with bands, like even every show, like no matter what, it was like, it wasn't until I was old enough to drink that I could have like a couple of like shots before we played and it would like <laughs> round off the nerves. When I would play alone, even in like a small place, like a coffee shop, like my fingers would be like super tight and like shaky at the beginning, just because I didn't want to, I mean, you don't want to screw up and look like an idiot in front of people. But I mean, it was fun. I got to play a lot more of how I typically play, which is just Im improvising on my own. So I would just, I would go in there with like a little set list of certain songs that I was going to cover or the songs that I had written. I would start there and kind of link them together with improv. Improv, improv totally in the dance world, people, some, people, either, people either love improv or hate improv. Yeah. With dance it's like your body it's like very I don't know some people feel really vulnerable in that state because it's your own movement and you're not doing what someone's telling you to do mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know if it's the same thing for music or not but yeah it's definitely um it's definitely like same kind of vulnerable I mean maybe I mean not same kind of vulnerable because they're two different forms of art but yeah you're still like putting out there like putting your own mental and creative like pathway out there it's not like something that you've choreographed or written or planned it's like can go any way it wants and it's sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad it's daunting sometimes but 
sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes it's really cool. And it's like, yeah, I thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> so when, when you're playing music, what do you want people to get from it? Or how do you want people to feel? And I guess it depends too know, on, think, on who you're playing for and what atmosphere and Yeah, I think style. it's definitely for, it varies by atmosphere. Like if I were playing like, if I were playing for people in like, say the coffee shop setting where I used to, I would play like the brunch hour, I would just play something like, pleasant and digestible i would definitely try and play to what i think they would appreciate or what i not even appreciate but what i think they would just perceive as background noise because that's kind of the role you're playing when you're playing at that kind of time like if you're playing for a brunch hour at a coffee shop you're not they're not there to see you they're there to be with other people and you're just providing the background noise so i would play just something that would sound nice and kind of keep like fill the silence in the background when i was playing with blue walls i had an opportunity to play the guitar solo in the, on a song you know i would i would turn my guitar up louder than everyone else on stage and i would just like <laughs> just whatever just flail my fingers do you ever like lose yourself in that moment of just like guitar solo yeah <laughs> do you ever just draw everyone else sometimes or are you still in it for most of the songs we would do when we play them live we would do like a double solo so we would play like a double length. So I would play the solo that was on the recording and then we'd go back through that passing, like go through that passage and I would just play whatever. I'd play what was familiar to people so that they knew what part of the song we were at, you know? And then I would kind of go back through the second passage and go to town on whatever I felt like playing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it went horribly wrong. Sometimes it was like some of the coolest moments that I've, like in my playing, I don't know. It was a lot of those songs are pretty formulaic just because they're pretty insincere pop songs. Maybe I'm giving too much away when I say that, you know, cause like I, when people tell me that they really like the songs and that they think it's great music, I'm like, but maybe that's just because like, I think you're always your own worst critic. So after you hear it and you've heard it multiple times and it's not like in the moment where you're playing it and it's like, this is awesome. This is so loud and people are moving and jumping. It's like when you sit down and listen to it and think of it as like a piece of something, I would always hear it and be like, this is so corny and like insincere. I feel like it could be sincere for some people or. And that's what's cool because like maybe other people have lived those experiences or have felt those feelings. And that's not to say all those songs were insincere, but I've written a couple of those songs that, blue walls wrote were like totally made up situations just to just to fill the chord structure and Mm -hmm. rhyme but some of those songs were like yeah that was i came i wrote that sitting i can i remember like when we wrote pink sky lullaby i remember playing the chords in my bed in my room in ohio and trying to trying to put together this song about feelings that you had you know so some of those were like uh, sincere, but others are just like you, you had good chords and good sounding song that you didn't want to like lose because you didn't have words to fill it. So you just filled it with words. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. I'd be interested to know how many songs that are like really big songs that are like that, where the, where the person who wrote the song was just like, this is an awesome tune, but it just needs words. And they just like pooped out words, you know? Yeah. I wonder, begs the question, is a good song a good, like, good music? Or is it good lyrics? Is it a mesh of both? Is it, 
Like, what is it, yeah. you know? I don't know. I think it's different to different people. I think every, I, think, I don't know. I think in the world of art, there's a lot of pretense. And so like, there's a lot of people who won't let themselves just enjoy something for the sake of what it is. They're like too traditional in the terms of art theory or art philosophy, you know, and they can't just like enjoy a song because it's catchy or enjoy like a painting because it looks pretty or a sculpture because it looks, you know, they want to like look too deep into it. So I think for certain people, you know, they hold art to like this standard of, does it make me think critically or does it, you know, challenge. And, you know, to a certain degree, I agree with that, you know, like fine art should, it should, should be held to a high standard. But I think at the same time, if something's enjoyable and you like it, just like it, you know, it's not like you're not, you're not competing with anyone for the, the highest snob. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's interesting because in my comp class for dance, she asked us when we were creating our pieces, what, what is the goal of this dance? And I kind of equate it to art. Is it to inspire? Is it to entertain? Is it to challenge? Is it to provoke? Is it to question? And I was like looking at all these. I'm like, honestly, in this moment, in this time, I just want it to entertain. And my whole goal with dance specifically in that time was to have people want to move and want to dance and want to get up because yes, there's a time and place for art being like snobby snob. Let's look at the theory behind it. Let's actually take it apart and think about what are the, like in dance, you know, yes, there's classicism and there's like white classicism and Eurocentrism in ballet, but how can we make that more accessible? And for me, making art more accessible is for making it entertaining. So for anyone who's like, wants to learn how to play an instrument or get into music, what advice would you give them? It takes a really long time. <laughs> it takes mm-hmm. a long time to get, uh, and for some people it doesn't, you know, some people there, I mean, there are like just prodigies who are just like, super comfortable with something after a very short amount of time. But uh, personally, it took me a long time to get to the point where I'm at. But then I broke through this wall where I am suddenly just very comfortable with the guitar. I'm not claiming to say that I know everything about it, but I feel like if I were presented with something, you know, like I could, I could, I could get a grasp on it pretty easily just because it's been, I've been with it for so long. So it takes a long time. And I can only really speak to guitar, learning guitar, because that's all I learned it hurts a lot in the beginning on your fingers, you know, like. Do you ever use like a guitar pick or no? Yeah, I I play, I mean, it switches. Like sometimes you want to play with the pick, sometimes you don't. They have different sounds and they sometimes require more work than the other. Yeah, like on your like playing uh, hand, you got to develop like calluses or like a certain level of tolerance with the strings because they hurt at first. It's kind of like dance. They always say, because like, a lot of people dance barefoot, and so you want to build calluses on your feet so that's easier to turn, doesn't hurt as much, and you're not, like, constantly scraping your feet. Yeah, I would just uh, give it time. Don't expect too much too soon, and just play whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. What would you say, and it always evolves and change, like, how would you describe your music style when you play? I don't know, probably, like, uh, jazz-influenced Cause I use a lot of jazz chords, but I definitely don't play in the style of jazz very much because I don't have the chops to, <laughs> but it's definitely jazz influenced because I've got that vocabulary of jazz chords. I don't know. It's like, it, it drifts back and forth. I haven't recorded any of it, but I play a lot of just little 
Americana, like jazz Americana, like fingerstyle songs. So lots of really open and like airy sounding chords. But I also, I've been trying to write like jazz fusion, um, pop songs. Mm-hmm. It's, it all comes back to pop music. Like I, I think it's just easier for me. I don't think I just, I don't think I write in the style of like any kind of super alternative rock or yeah, I think it mostly it's rooted in pop. I'm okay with, I like, I like pop music. I think, uh, what music as of now are you into and what influences your music playing? Yesterday I listened to only Steely Dan. I'm going to, I'm going to open up my Spotify so I can see what I listened to. (laughs) I feel like you're very eclectic or you have a lot of different styles that you're into. Yeah, I like a lot of different kinds of music. So I listened to Steely Dan all day yesterday. There's a Japanese band, Mitsume, that's really good. They have two albums, A Long Day and Ghosts. Those are two awesome albums, like pop rock music. I listened to Haim, uh, Women in Music, Part 3. I love them. That's a killer album. That is so awesome. I I love the sax. Yeah, I hope they get the Grammy they were just nominated for. Yes. Out of the Blue, Electric Light Orchestra. I listened to Lou Reed. I love Lou Reed. I was listening to the Avalanches. They're like a they're like a sample band kind of deal. What else? Kevin Crowder. I can't not mention Kevin Crowder. He's awesome. He's like a pop singer songwriter, but kind of that indie influence. Tops, Grape Tooth, Twin Peaks, Krongbin is really good. Krongbin's like an instrumental funk band. Tons of different stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I remember you showed me I like that. this French 80s band, which I love because I love French I music know. and I love 80s. So you just put the two of the things I love together. So it was great. <laughs> I think that's the band you're talking about. Niagara, BB Flash mm-hmm. is good. I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but... L'Imperatrice is really good. So I don't know. It's all over the place. Lots of lots of electric guitar, anything with really rhythm. Yeah, when you're I listening like, to music, what do you look for when you're listening? Is it different? Is it – are you looking for the guitar? Are you looking for – Mood. If I'm, like, taking the bus to work and I'm looking at the city, I want to hear something, like, Groovy, lots of rhythm, really good bass. Like I was listening to Steely Dan yesterday. I was listening to Gaucho. Sometimes if I'm riding my bike really fast, I want to hear like crunchy guitar and screaming and guitar solos. So I listen to like White Reaper, uh, listen to Electric Light Orchestra. They've got some really like powerful songs. They've also got some like really cool ballads. I love ELO. If I'm cooking, you know, I'm going to want to listen to something like groovy, like dancey but maybe also something like swinging like uh Francois Hardy she's uh, another French artist she's I mean she's like a household name besides playing music and stuff what else do you like to do for yourself I love to cook I like riding my bike when it's not crummy out I like riding my bike in nice weather (laughs) I love the city of Chicago I also love being outdoors in like the wilderness. I love camping. Uh, what else? I like design. I like reading Architectural Digest. 
Uh, what? Part, wait, wait, part you're an architectural digest? Yeah, part of me would like to be an architect or an interior designer. Um, you can come do my house. It needs it. No. <laughs> yeah, mine does too. So obviously I have, I have a lot to learn. I like reading. I probably should do more of it than I have been lately. But for a while there, I was being really good about it. I was reading a lot, looking around my room to see what else I like. <laughs> That's how much I like. I have to look at things to remind myself of what I like. <laughs> Those are all good things. Yeah, I like soccer. We've been watching the MLS playoffs lately, me and my roommate. It's my favorite sport. I think it's the most beautiful of the sports. It's like so bare bones that it's like accessible to anyone in the world. It's like the, it's like the global sport, but it can be taken so far. Like it can be, you can, you can be so good at soccer, but you can also be so bad at soccer. It's like, (laughs) It's just everyone's sport, you know, like you can play it anywhere. You can play it with anyone, with anything. Um, but you can be like just this absolute like wizard or witch with soccer you can, in the sense that you can be so good. Like it's like, mm-hmm. so that's why I like soccer the most. Let's talk about cooking. You love to cook. What's your favorite thing you like to make? I don't know. I've been eating vegetarian for a couple months. So I've been cooking a lot of veggies Eggplant is a really uh, sneaky vegetable. You can you can make eggplant taste really really good. I like cooking breakfast food. I like um, French stuff. Before I stopped eating meat, so I'd make like chicken confit or uh, all kinds of stuff. It's so much fun. It's like take. It's like uh, it's just like another kind of art. And people who say it's not are just like pretentious art philosophers because I think anything where you can take you can take pieces of something and put it together and make something like just wonderful. Like to me, that's art. Sure. It doesn't like, it might, I mean, it might not challenge you. It might not uh, make you think really hard, but it's like, it's like there's history in food. There's culture in food, you know, there's creativity in food. So it's, yeah, I love, I love cooking. I wish I, uh, I wish I knew more about it and I wish I could do more with it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> my mom, she would always make, I think like half of the fun I have with, most of the fun I have with cooking comes from my mom because she would, whenever she would make dinner for us all, she'd like put it on the table, she'd sit down and she'd be like, tonight's special is what's in the fridge or something like, she'd say something like that. I don't know, she's awesome. She would just like take whatever we had, like leftovers or like half empty cans of whatever and she'd put it together and make like just awesome dinners. Um, so like, half the time that's cause my fridge half the time is like empty. It's got like just <laughs> basically empty cans of like pickles or olives, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So I'll like see, see different things in there and I'll be like, what else could I put in this? And I'll go and like get like that instead of like going to the grocery store with a list of like, okay, I need this, this, and this, this, this to make whatever. So it's like, it's super fun because it's just like you make whatever with whatever you have and sometimes it's good sometimes it's like this is awful (laughs) I love it it seems like yeah your mom has a big influence on not just cooking but music it seems like so now do you look back and say thanks mom my mom is the dopest person I know she's uh yeah she's awesome what's her name uh, Darlene Darlene okay yeah she grew up broke as hell on eight mile in Detroit with eight other siblings and uh, 
took night classes in high school, which I didn't even know you could do. I didn't know you could take night high school classes to graduate oh early so she could move out because she didn't like the situation she was in. So she worked hard to graduate early from high school, <laughs> moved out and went to college at the age of 16. And then, what? Uh, yeah, and then <laughs> graduated from college and moved to Chicago. She met Michael Jordan. She met Bill Clinton, like photographing them. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Your mom sounds so cool. That's, that's awesome. To have, especially parents who are supportive of the arts, who are in the arts. Uh, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, do you have anything else you want to share? On this? We kind of talked, we touched on a lot. Yeah, this was fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I hope you keep doing this with even more interesting people. Well, that's it, Gavin. Thank you so much for coming on Artifacts. Um, we'll have his stuff linked in Artifacts website. You can check it out, especially Blue Walls and all the songs that we talked about today. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being interviewed. Yeah, thanks for I'm super flattered that you would want to talk to me, so this is cool. Yeah, of course. So thanks for listening to Artifacts. Everyone has a great day. Peace out.